Hello and welcome again to Coming Home Network Presents, where we have conversations about the kind of questions that people ask on their way into the church and uh, the things that they wrestle with if they're wondering whether or not they should become a part of the Catholic Church. This episode is going to be that, except backwards, and I'll explain what that means here in a little bit. But first of all, uh, I'm Matt Swaim, Director of Outreach for the Coming Home Network, and if you want to support our work, uh, please do head over to chnetwork.com dot org slash donate so we can continue to make these resources free for anybody who comes to us looking for help uh, you can also by the way watch older episodes of coming home network presents by going to chnetwork.org the main page and if you're looking for an online community uh full of people who are asking questions like the ones you're asking and want to find somebody who's just like maybe one step farther along the journey that than you are um to maybe bounce questions off of check out our online community it's community.chnetwork.org so I mentioned that this episode's kind of like a backwards one. Normally I talk to people who have come into the church and I ask them about like their pre-Catholic lives. But today uh, we get to talk about a couple of Catholics who are trying to commit themselves to reaching out to their loved ones who have either um, been part of the faith and walked away or maybe loved ones who were never a part of the faith in general. I'm excited about this conversation and we're going to talk to Roxanne Salonen and Patty Armstrong. The reason that I've got these two women on is because they just came out with a book from Ascension Press. It's called What Would Monica Do? Consolation, Hope, and Inspiration in the Spirit of St. Monica for those bearing the cross of a loved one who is away from the faith. So Roxanne, Patty, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. And, and I should just say that both of us had our days of wandering around a little bit before we came fully, firmly into the faith. And and no dear people in our lives who are converts and, and reverts. So uh, there's lots of possibilities here with this conversation. We're looking forward to it. Well, I know Patty did because Patty, I want to let our uh, viewers know, has done a written version of her story that is actually over at the Coming Home Network website. So if you go over to chnetwork.org and look up her story, it's called From Ignorance to Passion for the Faith. And so we get to hear a little bit if you read that about her uh you know, journeys with the Peace Corps and all those fun things and really kind of come into this full knowledge of the truth. But there are some people who, who know full well who Monica is, this what would Monica do person. But let's start with you, Patty. Who is St. Monica and why did you do a whole book uh, dedicated to really her approach to her loved ones? I, you know, I want to say at the outset, it's not a biography, but she journeys with us through so many different topics um, when a loved one does leave the faith. We look to her because Catholics see her as kind of the go-to saint. She is known for praying for her son, St. Augustine. You know, the key word there is saint in front of his name. St. Augustine for 17 years. He was quite the wayward son. A lot of people don't know she had three children and two never left the faith. And not all our children have left the faith. But, you know, we're going for 100% on this one. Um, we don't want to lose a single one. And she prayed for 17 years um, quite passionately. And and eventually, not only did he convert her son, Augustine, but he converted in such a big way that he is seen as one of the top theologians ever, a doctor of the church, um, throughout all of Christendom, because we're talking about the fourth century here. So there was just one Christian faith, essentially. And his books are still in bookstores today. So it wasn't just a conversion for his time. 
It was a conversion that has touched all of Christendom. So we see her as our role model, and we also see her as somebody that we can actually relate to because Augustine went off to school, came home with an out-of-wedlock son and a girlfriend that he was never going to marry. And so, you know, even though times change, some things remain the same. Indeed, indeed. And as a matter of fact, you know, since we are, you know, a production of the Coming Home Network, I should point out that St. Augustine, you called him Augustine. I hear it both ways all day from the Protestants and Catholics I work from, work with. Uh, but he also wrote one of the most famous conversion stories of all time. So uh, it's going to outsell anything we ever put out. His confessions is just an incredible story of his journey and how far he went and, and how uh, incredible it was, uh, you know, his his journey back and how much his mother's prayers factored into that. So I'll ask you, Roxanne, uh, how did you, since it's not a biography, uh, how did you set up this discussion of Monica and, and really kind of her as an intercessor for our loved ones who either aren't part of the faith at all or were part of it and left? Well, like Patty said, a lot of people in the Catholic world are aware of St. Monica. But it's just kind of, oh, we know St. Monica was the praying mother who cried many tears. And we, we know the basic story. But Patty and I decided we want to kind of mine that story in a way that we can kind of pull up some of the gems maybe that people don't know about. For example, the fact that she was unequally yoked, right? She had a, a pagan husband, and that's kind of an interesting story in and of itself. And it was a tumultuous relationship. And, you know, a lot of people in our day are dealing with unequally yoked situations or even single parenthood. There's lots of situations that can um, increase perhaps the, the division within a family, the lack of cohesiveness, although you can have a completely cohesive, diligent Catholic family and still have children leaving the faith. There's so many factors involved, but we wanted to kind of bring St. Monica with us because she kind of entered our friendship at a certain point and we were aware of her presence with us and also how our friendship had allowed us a safe place to kind of bring this very tender topic of our children leaving the faith, which is the worst thing we can imagine because more than wanting our kids to be at Harvard, we want them to be in heaven, right? Like, like it, the, the earthly things matter, but the heavenly things matter even more. So Patty and I experienced this grieving, but we found each other and were able to very, you know, prayerfully discern in, in discernment, um, share with each other confidentially. But we realized there was a lot of other parents going through that. And so anyway, we knew that St. Monica had to be a key component, but we didn't know all there was to know about St. Monica either. So we kind of dove in and did a bunch of research and kind of pulled out some of the the key aspects where we could really, it could be a connecting point for us and help others. Yeah. So we just celebrated the 25th anniversary of The Journey Home, um, which is, of course, the the television show. If nobody knows anything about the Coming Home Network, they at least uh, very often know about The Journey Home, uh, which I've been privileged to, to produce for the past few years. And uh, just, it's an incredible collection of stories. But we just had this kind of transition where Marcus retired and passed on the the torch of hosting to John Mark, and that really kind of allowed for some some reflection on the history of why that show got started and why um, it's been a priority uh, to tell these kinds of stories over the years. And you know, Marcus, you know, has, he's brought it up a number of times through the, through the years, but really kind of brought it back to the fore in the in the conversations we were having during this transition of why Mother Angelica wanted there to be a show like this in the first place. And it was because, you know, her on her Mother Angelica live show was just getting phone call after phone call and letter after letter from all these people who were basically parents saying, how do I help my kid who went away, <laughs> right? How do I bring these family members, all my siblings 
or raised Catholic. I'm the only one who goes to mass, right? You know, how do I get these people back? And and Mother's thought in, in this was, well, if we just show these stories over and over, someone can see somebody else out there and say, well, if that person can come into faith or if that person can come back to faith, well, maybe there's hope for, you know, my brother or, you know, my kids or, or even my spouse, right? So um, I think this is a this is a huge part of what, well, it's it's crucial to what we do. As a matter of fact, the Coming Home Network only exists really because of the support of essentially praying relatives, <laughs> right, who are trying to make sure these things are facilitated. Uh, but I'm wondering too. I'll start with you, Patty. It, you wrote this book not because you have a thousand percent success rate as at this as a person, right? Like this is not five fail-safe tips to make sure that nothing bad ever happens in your family, right? And this is not, it's not as simple as that, is that, is it? No, it isn't. But when you start out, you think it is. <laughs> you know, when you teach your kids a faith, we homeschooled for nine, 19 years, and then our kids went to a good Catholic high school, and we were getting excellent results. <laughs> you know, our kids knew their purse. They often went deeper than I did. They would just impress me with the things they did, even after high school. Two of the boys, um, one was uh, 20, the other one was 18. They said, hey, let's go to a retreat together. And they loved it. So I thought, job well done, you know. Um, but I didn't expect anyone to leave the faith. And I've talked to other people in the Catholic media who said, yeah, I didn't expect it either. I thought if you, um, somebody who has an EWTN show, as a matter of fact, and his kids are back, I won't necessarily throw his name out there because I know you don't know if they want you to. Um, he said, I thought that if I taught my kids right, they would never leave. Well, that's what I thought. I thought I plugged in all the holes. And so when it happens, and that's the problem, is a lot of people have written books out there, How to Stop Your Kids from Leaving the Faith, and their kids haven't left home yet. It's like, yeah, I could have written that book. And when Roxanne and I became friends, I live in Bismarck, she lives in Fargo, we were mentioned in an article together from Mother's Day, and we thought, well, Roxanne reached out to me, and she thought, oh, we should meet. So we did become friends, Catholic writer friends, moms. And then we realized as the years wore on that some of our kids hadn't stayed in the faith. And so it isn't a do this, do that, and then everything's going to be good. And when she first approached me with this idea to do the book, I said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not interested. I'm waiting until all my kids are back in the faith. And now I realize a couple of different things. One is how prideful that is. And Roxanne said, no, I think we need to do it now that people are even surprised because we're in Catholic media. Like, how could your kids not be in the faith? Yeah, we're wondering the same thing, you know, um, because the faith has everything. Like, why would you leave? So we did dive deeper into it and we were humbled through the process. And we realized that humility is the first step closer to God. And that ultimately we've covered everything under the sun from forgiveness and anger and um, how problems within the church and what church are they coming back to and the whole transgender thing. And um, we covered everything. And what we realized through St. Monica in a big way is what we can do now is to go deeper in our own faith. And that me saying to Roxanne, I'm going to wait till everybody's back was me wanting to say, okay, everybody, this is how it's done. This is what worked for me. And you can't do that for, for, St. Monica, St. Ambrose told her he became somebody, you know, we can all pray for St. Ambrose's in our children's or our loved one's lives, whoever they may be, because sometimes they're not going to listen 
to their family because they've already heard everything you had to say and they've already walked away from that. But sometimes somebody else coming into their life. And St. Ambrose told St. Monica at one point, talk less to your son about God and talk more to God about your son. And so that is one of the overlying themes that we got from St. Monica. And we also go through her life. He, she accompanies us through this book. So we keep checking in with her and you get to know St. Monica in a very deep and intimate way and feel that she she's there with us. She is part of this group. Um, just, and then we all become a part of this group. As a matter of fact, I want to mention that we started a Facebook group. Um, Roxanne is always the impetus for a lot of this. And she, she started this group um, on, you know, Catholic parents, what would Monica do? Um, and we are humbled and touched by so many of the stories and so many parents who said, I feel so alone. A lot of people might be embarrassed or they Maybe this is new for them, that they're, they can't believe that their kids have left the faith. And so we become a safe place um, for people to share their stories and for us to pray and comfort one another. Yeah, no, that's that's so important, you know, waiting until you get it all right. And, and I think, too, I mean, maybe, Roxanne, you could speak to this. Uh, there is sort of this culture of, you know, how to and the five easy tips, you know, that that saturates everything, right? This is what clickbait is based on. It's like, here's 10 tips to do blank, blank, and blank. Number eight will shock you. Like, this is how our brains function. Like, everything's supposed to be packaged. And there's even, I think, a mindset among uh, a lot of Catholics who are like, if I just make sure that we cancel all the streaming video subscriptions in our house, right? Or if I just make sure that we send them, you know, uh, to this particular kind of mass and make sure, you know, or, or, or even, um, make sure that they're homeschooled and are never exposed to the other children on the streets. You know, like, and sometimes those are the kids that go the craziest. Like it's, you, you can't just like, it, it's, we can understand like God giving us free will, those of us who come back to the church, but we're real uncomfortable with him giving it to other people. (laughs) Especially our children. You know, as you were listing all of those different things that we think we can do, and if we do this, it'll all work out, it's exhausting. It is exhausting as a parent to try to figure out all the holes that you have to plug. Like Patty was saying, if I do this, I do this, I do this. It's become so overwhelming. And so for us, it was a freedom to finally realize, no, we have to surrender. We have to trust. We have to remember that when we gave our children to God in baptism, he was serious about it, and he's not going to give them back or revoke that. It is a consecration that will last through eternity. And so it is a everyday kind of thing. Like Patty and I are still going through it. We are in the veil with our readers. When we set up that group, it wasn't to let people know what we figured out. It's to share about our project, but also to let them know that we still need the prayers too, and we're so grateful for them. And we started praying for them before, all of our readers before we even have met them, you know. And it's it's a it's a shared sorrowing, but there's so much hope in it because what we learned is that this isn't a book about our children leaving the faith. This is a book about us coming closer to God's heart ourselves through our shared suffering. So I, I actually... I would love to hear both of you kind of give your own your own sense of this because I, I'm I'm sure your own experiences are similar but kind of have their own nuance, uh, and that is that it, you know Patty you mentioned Saint Ambrose, 
So to to kind of flesh out the story a little bit, Augustine is a wayward child. Monica's his mom. She's following him all around the Mediterranean basin, trying to get him to get his head straight and telling him all the things that, you know, are about the faith, all the truths of the faith. And Augustine's not having it from mom, right? And then he goes and he hears this incredible rhetorician, St. Ambrose, speak, and he's incredibly moved by the power of his words and he has this conversion which i'm sure the first conversation he has when he talks to monica about this conversion all these incredible things he's been hearing from ambrose monica's like this is literally what i've been telling you for 20 some years however many years right um and and we actually even see this in the gospels right because jesus goes back to preach in his own hometown and everybody's like i'm not the carpenter's kid like we knew him when he was running around here in swaddling cloth diapers right yeah there's there's like this sense that there's like a proximity effect to where you can't hear certain things from certain people because of well because of how close you are to the situation and because kind of how well you know them i wonder if that's i mean is that do you think why i'll start with you roxanne is that do you think why it's so hard for like a parent to be the one who actually makes the argument for their kid you know, I think God set us up this way that at some point we leave our parents. Look at the prodigal son, right? That was another story recently that was retold that we just cling to that. Um, but, but there's a natural, psychological, spiritual, everything about us is meant to go off and figure things out on our own. What's so hard as parents is that God gave us this divine vocation to guide our children. And it is a really jarring, I remember thinking when I got to that point and I was so stunned with some of the things my children were doing and where I couldn't control it anymore. It, it's so stunning. And it, it, I, I was, I was thinking, you know, I was prepared for a lot of things in parenting, but not the point at which they go off into the deep. And then you lose control. And I think all of the things that we try to do is an attempt to regain control. And it's not entirely out of the realm of, what is human and what is normal. Like we, we want, we want to continue to guide them, but there's a breaking off point that I think God himself put in place. And so there, there's a new level of respect that we actually have to develop for our kids to start seeing them as a, the adults that they are and to start changing our conversations a little bit to be more respectful. You know, one of the insights I had is I realized as we were going deeper and kind of looking at all of the different factors involved here. The world is really hard right now. We're kind of on the other side of it. Patty and I have kind of, we're on the other side. We're just kind of looking and assessing it and going, wow, I can't, I can't even believe what's happening. Like I, it blows my mind. They're just starting their path into the world. They're having to confront things that we would have never imagined. So there's a point at which we kind of have to go, oh my heavens, this is, this is hard. And if I was there, I'd probably be struggling too. And so really it calls us back into prayer with God in relationship with our children. And instead of trying to force them or control them, to have love reign in our lives with our families and to continue to build those relationships that will attract them back to the faith because of our love, not because of force. Well, I think, and Patty, I want you to kind of comment on that too, but I think that our love has to be so key in this because a lot of the people we talk to um, who are hurting for their family members are also people who have themselves had some kind of like a reversion experience and uh, maybe marriages were broken along the way um, in that time in the wilderness or maybe addictions were battled in that time in the wilderness. And so 
their kids, they want to try and bring their kids back to faith. And the first thing their kids back to say back to them is like, you hypocrite. I know how you treated mom. I know how you treated us. I know how you, you know, loved the drink, whatever it was. And so that family member feels like they can't, like, what can they do? Like, this is the most, this is supposed to be like the most important relationship in their life. There, there is a parent feel a duty to these kids and they feel like they've been disqualified from the conversation. Absolutely. And we, we cover that too. We talk about anger and forgiveness and there may be things that you did or didn't do real or imagined because the culture is really taking people away. Um, if, if your if your kids slip into a left leaning world, they will find your faith in Catholicism that alone is oppressive. And so you were oppressed by that. But that's why there is a sacrament of confession, because what are the things you're not supposed to obsess about it? But what are the things that maybe we left undone or did things we shouldn't have done? Take that to confession. You know, I mean, we're not saying it doesn't matter. Everything matters. But then let it go because we are human. And even God, who was perfect, um, Adam and Eve didn't listen to him. Jesus, who was perfect, his apostles didn't all follow him. They ran away except for St. John. And Peter denied him. And Judas sold him to his death. So we have to, first of all, stop thinking we can plug in all those holes. We want to. And if we, if we could, we would. Oftentimes, pride will go along with that because even if we did a great job, we might be thinking, well, look at me, I'm doing such a good job and I'm getting good results. Um, but, you know, to address your question of um, even people, you know, that you need somebody outside because for whatever reason, real or imagined, if they have stepped away from the faith that you tried to impart upon them, they're not going to listen to you because they think they've heard it all. Um, just like Jesus couldn't do apostles, couldn't do miracles in his own home. Yeah, we know who he is. You know, he's not the savior. He's Jesus, who we knew growing up. And I've talked to people like at St. Paul Street Evangelization uh, Evangelizers. I write a lot of articles for the National Catholic Register and other publications. So I'm often talking with people that are right in the heart of evangelization. And I find oftentimes their very own family members are not in the faith. And I have even asked them, well, how about your family? And they've said, they don't think there's anything new you have to give them. So we have to pray for those St. Ambroses. And sometimes we have- Well, and also if I can dovetail on that and, you know, because we do have a lot of people who are coming into the church who were involved in Protestant ministry, right? Who's, they got preacher's kids who left the faith, right? Uh, and th this is something that's, that's huge. Like how can a person who's involved in ministry, a Sunday school teacher, a CCD person, uh, a DRE, uh, whatever the acronyms, right? Uh, and and I think that there's kind of a unique kind of set of issues related to that in that so often, well, there's a couple things. One is that a person who works for the church sees all the bad underbelly stuff of the church, the the personality conflicts, the the, as you say, real or imagined bad things going on in the hierarchy, all the really stupid things about like the liturgy wars or like which bishop's a good bishop and which bishop's a bad, all the stupid, stupid things that soak up social media. And if that's what your kid hears at the dinner table every night, what do you think you're going to think about the church, right? And the second thing being, there ain't no money to be made working for the Catholic church, right? So, I mean, unless you're like one of like three or four people who happen to have like 
figured out and cracked the code. Most people are like just slogging it out in the parish level. Even those of us who work in apostolates, like we're just trying to make it all work. So we work insane hours, right? And we pour our life and our heart into that kind of work because we are so focused on, you know, sharing our faith in that world. And what happens is that, you know, you're doing all those things, you're pouring yourself in, and then your family gets like the last scraps of what's left of you after you just been drained to nothing from parish life or apostle work. I don't know. That's me just airing. Yeah. Well, that's a piece. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to do that exercise. Go back and like, did I, did I not do, you know, what didn't I do? What should I have done? So we can bring it to confession, but then we surrender it. We don't keep stressing over it. Guilt is not meant to be a lived, you know, situation, a lived, um, the people talk about Catholic guilt. Yeah, you're supposed to get over it. Guilt is like a little red flag saying, hey, something's wrong here, but then confess it. And we have a chapter called worry is not a prayer. Um, I could say guilt is not a prayer, that we do have to move beyond that. And then now what can we do moving forward? We can go deeper in our own faith. And in and um, I, I love our chapter on it's not all bad because some of the pain and hurt, guess what? We can use that because we're Catholics. We understand that the suffering, that our salvation was won through suffering, through the suffering of Jesus Christ. And our suffering go it is not wasted. Even our low-level suffering. I talk about Jeff Cavins, um, one of his books on suffering, where he says, don't even waste that low-level suffering. So it's so low level that if you make a wrong turn, that's irritating. Don't waste it. Like offer it all up. We know we have those big sufferings. You know, we could be, you know, cancer or we lost a loved one. But whatever it is, the suffering of our children having left the faith, um, whatever terms they've left on, you might have a great relationship, you might not. But keep offering that suffering back to them for their salvation and you do it in love. And if there needs to be forgiveness, then do that. Just focus on how much you love them. But there's power in suffering and we can use that. We There's so much we can use and that's what we want to bring together. And we do that in this book. Yeah, Roxanne, you had something to add to that. Well, one thing, a couple things. One is um, Monica didn't waste that time. <clears throat> when Augustine was off doing his thing wherever, you know, uh, she was actually back in their hometown tending to people. She was known for her kindness and her compassion and bringing people to the faith. And ultimately, she did bring her husband and her cantankerous mother-in-law. Both came into the church through her after after her mercy and grace that she extended to them. So I love that because even as we're waiting, there's so much we can do. We can pray, we can fast, we can turn our attention to someone else who is receptive, maybe someone who is interested in coming into the church. We can we can take that energy that we would love to expel on our kids, but if they're not ready and their hands are clenched, there's someone else that is ready. We can take that love for the church and do something good with it. That's one point. The other point is I want to make sure I mention my dad. As we were starting to get ready to write this book, I thought of my dad. Well, I thought, how long? How long, Patty? How long are we going to have to wait? You know, I mean, we just want that so much right now today. But I thought of my dad. He was going to be a priest. He ended up going on a different path after his mother died. I think his mother really was the impetus wanting him to, her youngest son to be a priest. 
and he really wanted to be a dad and a father and so uh, and a husband. So he ended up um, going on a different route after a couple of years in seminary. But ultimately, his family had a lot of addiction, and he ended up falling into the trap of alcoholism. And he left the faith for 35 years. But after 35 years, shortly after his brother died, he came back. He went to confession, didn't even tell my mom what he was doing. And he came back, and he, he died a holy death and one that was full of the sacraments, and one that I was assured by his last confessor that he was ready for death. What a beautiful story. I was holding his hand when he died with my sister right next to me, the two of us. And, you know, it is worth it. It is worth it to just stay in the course. I hope it doesn't take 35 years, but you know what? We're looking at the eternal perspective here, and that's another thing our book does. It's just sometimes we just have to remember the goal, and, and just to keep ourselves steady on that day-to-day path with that eternal view in mind. You know, we're working on some stuff to, to put out. I don't want to spoil it too much. But uh, uh, other than to say that I've heard some wild and crazy stories of last-minute things popping in that are the fruit of the prayers of people who've been dead for a half a century. <laughs> you know, you just... You never know. You just you just absolutely never know. But also, I think too. Um, and Roxanne, this is a, this is a question kind of more directly for you because Patty has written up her conversion story, mm-hmm. right? Her reversion story for our site, and you have not. But you have worked on a book for Ignatius Press called Redeemed by Grace. It's Ramona Trevino's story, and Ramona mm-hmm. was raised Catholic, and then she, um, you know had all kinds of experiences of abuse and everything and ended up working in uh in, in the abortion industry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. part of why she wanted to do that is because she didn't want to see other people, you know, fall into the same kind of abuse patterns and, and be hurt the same way that she was. Uh, do you think there could be some consolation, like if our kids are at least passionate about something, right? They're passionate about something. It may be the wrong thing and it may be for the wrong reason, but they, they have a like, still kind of sense of justice in them or this sense of like something's wrong with the world and and I need to play a part in in responding to it. Do you think that that's something that that God can use down the road? Absolutely. I think what we've, I've heard studies or whatever, it's been a long time, but that some of the most passionate kids, and I would say Patty would agree with this, we have some pretty strong-willed kids. You know, that's the other thing. Sometimes it's just a temperament issue. Sometimes People are made a certain way. Sometimes people are made to rebel even further. But from what I've understood, and and I carry this hope in my heart, because my kids are not very even-keeled for the most part, okay? They, they dive in. And yes, they're wrestling with a lot of, I think, some of the issues they have is because of their compassion. And they, they don't quite understand all the pieces yet, but they do have very compassionate and passionate hearts. And they want to figure it out their own way. And you know what? They have to. But I really believe some of these kids that are on that kind of journey are going to be the most fervent, you know, passionate Catholics when they do come back. And we live with that hope. In our book, we never say, you know, never that they're out and they're never coming back. It is all, it's a book about hope. And we're just assuming that eventually they, they will find their way back into God's heart. Another part of it is the invisible workings of God. You were just mentioning these people that have these deathbed conversions or just whatever, you know, it's crazy what God can do. We have to remember that and keep that in mind. It's hard because we can't see it. We can't see what God is doing in their souls, but he is working in our souls, not only through the sacraments that we helped them move through, but also through our prayers. And we just have to trust that, that sometimes we can't see what God's doing, 
It's the hidden workings of God, and we have to be aware of that and trust in that. That sounds good. I'll trust in God part, but I need I need something to do with my hands, right? <laughs> this is this is part of the issue of it, right? And you know, of course, Patty, I know that you've written a number of articles about uh, spiritual warfare uh, for the National Catholic Register, and so you're really keyed in on this. And so, um, I think you, you I, I'm very interested in your comments on this. I think that when it comes to you know all the hand wringing that goes on in the church at either the, the the local parish level or the diocesan or even like the national or even the 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 global catholic level it's like you know why are kids leaving what can we do what program can we implement and and so many people are like well they're leaving because they were poorly catechized well maybe maybe sometimes they're leaving because like you know they're bored sometimes they're leaving because somebody was mean to them sometimes they were mean because they were like legitimately hurt uh you know sometimes they're leaving because they just found something that was more interesting to them and so just more information isn't going to do the trick um how important is this concept of like understanding grace and the movement of the holy spirit and not just feeling like it's all got to be us making the sale in like the most convincing way possible you know matt that's what we all want to do we all want to make the sale we want to close the deal and my kids were not poorly catechized they were very well catechized i had a son who went off to college and was teaching ccd and came back home and he'd shared a poem he'd written to the Eucharist. Do you think I ever in a million years thought he would leave the faith? But sometimes they have a foot in both worlds. They have a foot in their church and then that starts to go into the world. And sometimes that pull is stronger. Um, you know, I heard a, a priest say, the cultural winds have changed and they've gotten stronger. They, they are gale force winds. So I want to say along the ways, I feel like God has given me some inspiration and markers to give me hope. And I want to share that with anybody listening um, to give them that hope too. I was praying before the Blessed Sacrament um, years ago and our, our two oldest weren't in the faith. And I thought, okay, how long is this going to take? Um, and I felt God saying to me, you know, when it's like, didn't come from you, it's a new thought and it's coming from outside. And I felt him saying to me, um, your prayers are a net. And when they come back, they won't come back alone. And that gave me such consolation. I had never thought of that before. And another time, Father Benedict Grishel, who is deceased, used to have a Sunday night show on EWTN. I never, ever watched it except for 10 minutes. One time I had it on and I was getting ready to go somewhere. And the show was on atheists and agnostics. And somebody had called in and said, Father, I've been praying for a long time and I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing any movement. And he said, God will administer the graces, at which time they do the greatest amount of good. And kind of like Roxanne said with the secret workings that we're not always seeing. And I thought that is beautiful. So you don't feel like, well, this isn't working. <laughs> Why am I bothering to, to have that faith and trust that everything we're doing is counting? And one more thing, I was working with um, Monsignor John Essop, who is an... Um, Speaking of spiritual warfare, he is an exorcist in the, in the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Very powerful. He was one of the founders of the Pope Leo, the Institute School, the 13th Institute, where um, exorcists are trained in this country. And I was doing some work with him. And I said, well, I need to let you know I've got a couple kids not in the faith. And I do have 10 kids, by the way, and Roxanne has five. So 15 between us. A lot of moving targets, that means. Um, 
And I felt like, well, I just want to let you know, full disclosure, I've got a couple kids that aren't in the faith. And I even have one son in Guatemala who loves to work with the poor. And he said, nope, nope, nope. And, and, I, and I believe Monsignor can read souls at times. And he goes, nope. He thinks it's him, but it's Jesus in him. He's living off the fat of his Catholic faith. And I thought, can't we all say that? That the faith we handed down to our kids helped formed who they are. It gave them those virtues and love. And even if the, the people like Ramona, who mean well, but have gone off on the wrong direction, you know, encouraging women to have abortion, there is that kernel of truth and beauty. So they are living off the fat of their Catholic faith. And, and it's a pretty good starting point. It's a pretty good base. And that is what we're going forward on. Well, that's actually... That works on an individual level, but it also works kind of on a global historical level because Western civilization in general is living off the fat of the <laughs> the Catholic Church, right? Yeah. Um, the fact that we have, you know, even the modern sciences or uh, things like, uh, you know, a, a civic order that still has, I mean, they may get it wrong in a lot of ways, but there's still kind of this sense that there ought to be certain human protections there's we it may be completely misunderstood what human dignity is but there's still like we still talk about it as though whatever conception we have of it matters right we're still living off of off of the fumes of 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 the, the way that the church has kind of taught us to think about what it means to be human but um i mean i think my real reason for asking some of this is because i get a question maybe you guys have gotten this too they'll somebody will probably read your book much like somebody will watch an episode of the journey home or or whatever, and they'll email or call or write in and say, I've got a person in my life who's away from the faith. What book should I give them? And that's usually when I'm like, dude, I can't tell you a book. If you give them one, they're not going to read it. I wish it was that easy, but you're just going to have to listen for a while and figure out what they care about, right? Because I think that's a lot of what the issue is, is that we're so busy trying to like take over the conversation and command and control that we don't even take the time to, to listen to figure out, like, what's this person hungry for? Like, what is it that they're really, what are they looking for, right? I, ultimately, our hearts are restless, as St. Augustine would say, until they rest in God. But in the meantime, a lot of people are trying a bunch of trails to see what works. Sometimes it, another title or whatever isn't what people need. And we definitely, when we were approaching this book, specifically did not want it to be a, a list of things that people... By the way, I, I'm sorry if I undermined the entire marketing campaign for this book by saying, <laughs> no. don't just give somebody a book. I apologize no. for that. No, no. If you, want, if, you, if you just want to know that you're not alone and you want some accompaniment and perspective and, and to connect with us on Facebook, on our page, and like have real people, you know, praying for you, um, definitely get the book and, and, and I, it, you know, it's not everything. We can't, even the book, I have a fly buzzing around, sorry about that. Even the book isn't everything. Like we touch a lot of topics, but it's not all of it. We, we only can just do a little bit, you know, it, but you're hitting on it. It's relationship. It is relationship. In a way, the way Patty and I had to go deeper into our relationship with God more than we even Imagine before we wrote this book, as we were going deeper with Monica, I feel like our kids leaving the faith is God's challenge to us to not only go deeper with him, but to go deeper with our kids. It, instead of just doing the surfacey thing and saying, these are the rules and just do this, we actually have to get to know them. We have to get to know the world they're entering. We have to get to know so much more. And it's opening our hearts to God's sight 
and to be able to see them the way God does. What a beautiful thing if we can do that. It takes a lot of humility, like Patty said. Oh my heavens, like we are so humbled because we've failed in the world's eyes and the church's eyes in some ways. We've, we've failed in our biggest duty. So that's, well, and, that's hot, tough. <laughs> yeah. And, and Patty, maybe you can speak to this too, is that I think that we feel like we failed in the eyes of each other because there's this image out there that all these Catholic families and mom bloggers and, you know, bros with their beards and pipes and their YouTube channels are like, yeah, we figured it out. Right. And, you know, if you were to ask them candidly, they'd be like, no, in real life, we haven't figured it out. Our families are a mess too. But there's this image that everybody has uh, that everybody else has figured out, but them. Right. And the fact of the matter is that we don't, right. We're all kind of figuring this thing out. You know, we have to be careful not looking to other people. It's good to look to people for good examples and to be inspired, but we have to not compare each other and because we don't know what's going on in their family. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Roxanne and I were just talking about a beautiful Catholic family. They really are just, just lovely, lovely people. And there was a suicide in their family. So, um, and they, they, I know they are good, good people, but don't look, whoa, look at them. Look at them. Like, just worry about yourself. This is, it's between you and God. And there are, it's funny that when you said, what book is there? Uh, I wrote the Amazing Grace book series with Jeff Cavins and Matt Pinto. With that in mind, we didn't lecture. We took all the lectures out um, and they were just people experiencing God um, personally and amazing stories. They're like chicken soup for the soul books so that you could give it to somebody who maybe isn't real churchy, but they start to get drawn in by these amazing, enchanting, sometimes humorous stories. And that's why Roxanne and I included stories in the book. Our book isn't, I'll show you, I have my book with me. There it is. Beautiful there it color. is. I was we hoping we, somebody would throw it up on the screen at some point. And and the the, the artist that did this beautiful, beautiful- um, Is a convert, book. right? My God, she is a, yes, she's a convert. And she actually has a little miracle story that comes through her getting to know the saints. And our book is full of stories. And our book isn't the type of book that you're going to say, here, read this. It's for us. And this whole this whole walk now is about us. Our, if our children have already left the faith, whatever we did or didn't do now is in the rearview mirror. Not that we can't still have impacts and have those conversations, but we have to tread lightly now. Because we once the wall starts going up, we're doing more damage than good. This is really about us. So we have those stories of accompaniment. Um, we have those happy ending stories. You might have heard of St. Bartolo, who was... Bartolo, uh, yeah, Bartolo Longo, Bartolo, yeah. Yes. Um, he was a Satanist, and he was raised in a Catholic family. And so he became a saint. And we do have an entire chapter on spiritual warfare. You mentioned spiritual warfare, and I can't help but think of it when you talk about somebody who is a Satanist and who converted so completely that he became a saint. And um, a lot of people are familiar with uh, Father Don Calloway. I discovered him when he was still in the seminary and when I heard his story, it blew me away. And whenever I see him, I've told him, you are the worst. You are absolutely the, you were the worst. And I believe that's why God showered his graces upon you and you became a priest so that nobody can say, yeah, but my kid is even worse. Like, no, nobody's even worse than these two. And they became dynamic, faithful Catholics. One is now a canonized saint. And so we have to step away. But but doesn't that humble you when your kid is going in the wrong the wrong direction? It's only because we want what's best for them. 
But then our humanness, it slips into pride because if we start worrying about what people are saying, like, oh, the person in the pew ahead of us that we know, their kids are still coming to church and sitting with them. And where are our children that are not here? We have to just care about their salvation and their soul and not about what people are thinking about us because we are totally, totally surrendered to the fact that it might be tomorrow, it might be on their deathbed, but this isn't about an audience. This is about our hearts wanting their hearts to be one with God. Yeah, it might be after you're dead, right? I mean, and this is, this is, that's, that requires a lot of trust, right? Um, but, you know, you mentioned Father Calloway, Bartolo Longo. We've been talking about Augustine a lot. Um, after well over a thousand Journey Home episodes and something like 400 written stories, I've heard some crazy things. So if you think that your situation is so bad that it can't be resolved, I have some stories for you. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's a lot to it. Um, but, you know, kind of as you're talking about, you know, don't let the walls go up, it is amazing how many people just, they get into desperation mode and they just want to, they want to take the nuclear option. Uh, we had a guy write in to the radio recently um, and saying that they have a relative who's in an inappropriate relationship uh, and that, uh, as they put it, um, I sent them a vivid description of hell as described by by St. Faustina, and it apparently had a very profound effect on them, right, because they haven't written back. I'm like, I'll tell you why they haven't written back, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the walls are up and they're thinking, well, I can't have a conversation about my life without this relative of mine telling me that I'm going to hell. Right, and the person who's telling them that they're going to hell are not telling them that they're going to hell because they think they're a ter terrible person and they dislike them. They're telling them that because they love them, but that communication breaks down because that's that's not how a person who's away needs to be talked to. I mean, that can work on some people. It has worked in the past. It mostly worked with Puritans, out of, but it converted people who were all converted out of fear. You know, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not just our kids, right? They're our brothers and sisters in the family of God. So. Um, there's just a lot to stew on. So we've actually covered a lot of ground and, uh, rather than take up a whole bunch of time, I want to make sure that people have a chance to go check out, uh, your, your book. So we, we've got, what would St. Monica do, which <laughs> Roxanne is holding up right there. Yeah, give us a good look, right? There you go. Uh, so that people can check that out in the show notes and get a copy of that. It's through Ascension Press. But while I've got you, um, Roxanne, any projects you've worked on? We mentioned the book that you did with Ramona. There'll be of interest to people who are kind of thinking about uh, these questions of, of people and uh, either coming into or returning the faith. Uh, well, Ramona's story is profound, um, and, and it's going to be republished, I believe. It, it, it um, was published by Ignatius, and we're looking at uh, doing a kind of a revision of it soon. So um, more on that in time, but kind of keep that in mind, Redeemed by Grace. It, it might even, we'll see how, how that ends up, but we're excited. I think we're going to maybe add some extra chapters. Um, Ramona and I have continued to be very dear friends, and I've continued to have deep, wonderful uh, conversations with her about her ongoing journey. She now is working for 40 Days for Life National. She's starting to do some speaking again and everything. So follow her because her story is full of so much light and God's grace that that's why I wrote it because it was it just stunned me when I heard how God had reached into her soul. And, and she was only baptized in, initially. Um, so she had some more spiritual work to do, but it continues. God has continued to work in her life. And 
Um, just to be aware too of just like, I think my dad is, you know, in heaven, hopefully praying for, for my family. And, and just to kind of be aware too of that communion of saints, just to be inspired by those who have gone before us who love our family members too. And to not forget that they're, they're cheering for us and we can kind of tap into that as well. I do um, other work. I'm a freelance writer for the National Catholic Register and my my local daily newspaper. I write about faith exclusively. So if anyone wants to check out my work, I, I yeah, it's RoxanneSolomon.com is where they can find my work. So I appreciate that. You're all over the place. Yeah. You're all over the place. As are you, Patty. Any yes. projects you want to mention before we uh, take off beyond what would Monica do? I would love to. Holy Heroes is coming out with my um, two books, Dear God, I Don't Get It, and Dear God, You Can't Be Serious. And, um, they, we are, it's a second edition and I, the kids love it and they're fun. It's humorous. Um, and it's fun. It's kind of like going through life and Hey, what do you do as a kid? And God didn't answer my prayer, but my brother was praying for the opposite thing. So how does that work? And I also have, um, Holy Hacks, Everyday Ways to Live Your Faith and Get to Heaven. And it's really about increasing your capacity to walk with the Lord and finding creative and fun ways to do that. And I also tapped into some people in Catholic media. Um, so Holy Hacks, that's published by... Um, I, I, I made a cameo in that book. You did, I Matt. You're in, in it. Matt, you're in it. And I remember you said sometimes it helps to write things out, like your prayers, and that you really integrate. That's right. So if Matt Swain is in the book, it's got to be fantastic, right? It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be problematic. That, that, that disqualified you from the imprimatur right there. So uh, I think I also, I can't remember if you used it, but I, I remember I sent you the fact that I keep a rosary hanging on my bedpost. So whenever I wake up in the middle of the night, instead of staring at the ceiling and thinking about all my problems, you know, I just, so a lot of people are really good at the rosary. Me, um, because of the frequency with which I employ it and the nature in which I employ it, I usually fall asleep about a decade or two in every time I pray the rosary. So angels yeah. finishing all my prayers <laughs> over here. So. God sees our hearts. God sees your heart. <laughs> That's right. And I'm seeing the inside of my eyelids. So there you go. All right. Well, Roxanne, uh, Patty, I'm so grateful that you took a little time. I hope people check out your book, What Would Monica Do? And uh, we've got a link to it in the show notes. As I mentioned, it's from Ascension Press. I uh, want to encourage you, by the way, to go to chnetwork.org. You can find lots of previous episodes of CH Network Presents. Um, you can find all kinds of other resources and stories as well. Uh, well over a thousand stories of, of conversion and grace and, and reversion. Um, you can join our online community, which is community.chnetwork.org. That's full of nothing but people who are just trying to find their way uh, through this mystery of life. And uh, many people coming from non-Catholic backgrounds who are, you know, seeking there and then of course if you want to give to support our work chnetwork.org slash donate you can make one time or monthly gifts to make sure that everything you would do or everything that is possible for us to do for free we can do for free so that if anybody comes for help um that money never has to be an object so i'm matt swaim roxanne patty thank you again thank you matt it was a pleasure thank you matt it's always a pleasure yeah and thank you all for watching this episode of coming home network presents talk to you next time around